welcome back to hanging out with Mickey and I. Welcome to episode one of the Sam and Mickey podcast, where we read through the artist way and do the creative challenges for our own benefit. We really should come up with a title, I suppose, at some point. Mm-hmm. At the should very we tease end. the um, should we tease the the pen title, the like the placeholder? The artist G'day. The artist G'day. Two Australian <laughs> buddies have a yarn and work their way through creative spiritual enlightenment. Oh, I can't okay. handle it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But that's what this whole process in. is about, just trying out new things. So. Absolutely. Let's give that one. Let's just Maybe have a different title it. for each episode. That's good. That'll make us easy to find. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's just jump right in. So, uh, week one of Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way. The first chapter um, works on the probably likely assumption that your creativity has been damaged in some way. I think, like, the type of person who buys this book, someone who's interested in creativity, has... I think she's probably quite right. Like, I think a lot of people have been hurt creatively in some way. And this chapter seeks to address that and look at how you have been hurt in the past and how it's affected you and how you can um, start to walk away from that. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it is it is about, yeah, you might have been hurt or you might have been suppressed or you just, yeah, don't consider yourself creative or artistic at all and it's kind of just making you question why. Why not? Yeah, because everyone has this ability. Thinking of yourself as uncreative, I think, is indicative of being hurt creatively in the past. Yeah. I think the book also works on the assumption that I believe you and I agree with that um, everyone is born creative. Like, yes, uh, yes. And most children would consider themselves creative. I think creativity well, is drummed out of you in some way. Yeah, and it's, it's not even a matter of children considering themselves creative. It's not something for them to consider or worry about. It's just that they are innately curious yeah. creatures. Um, and then just over time humans we either get encouraged and supported to continue with that exploration that creativity or we are discouraged and suppressed um and we end up in suits in the city um so (laughs) (laughs) and i think um any of our listeners i would be surprised if not if there was a single one who couldn't point to some memory of someone uh, treating them negatively for being creative or telling them to grow up or get a job or don't do that yeah. You, you made bad art or your poem sucks. Or, um, you know, whether that is... Definitely um, had someone like, say that to me. <laughs> your poem sucks? Yes. So many times. That's so sad. It's just... But it's, it's, it's more indicative of them being like... Exactly. Like, how dare you even try? Mm, but who are you to say that um, mm. when you're, you know, when you're just a kid? So... Yeah. Um, we're delving into our into our past, not our past lives, what's it called? Into our childhood. We're finding all those repressed memories and we're going to expunge them for your mm, listening pleasure. Exactly. There's a few other things that um, Julia goes over in the chapter before she gets to the weekly tasks. Um, mm-hmm. She refers to this concept of shadow artists, um, which is something that I kind of relate to. And so she talks about her, her version, her, her definition of what she calls a shadow artist is, is someone who is 
too intimidated to become artists themselves, very often too low in self-worth to even recognize that they have an artistic dream. Oof. (laughs) That was a big sigh. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Artists themselves, but perhaps ignorant of their true identity. So shadow artists are often found shadowing declared artists um, and unable to recognize that they themselves may possess the creativity they so admire. They often date or marry people who actively pursue the art career they themselves secretly long for. That was a passage that really jumped out at me because, as I might have mentioned in episode zero, I don't necessarily consider myself an artist or a creative, but I surround myself with creative people. And she basically then just described me in that one par- in that one passage right there. Um, <laughs> right. <clears throat> in that, like, I you're one of my best friends and you're you're a working musician mickey um i used to live with people who created sets for theater and yeah and just like some of my other really good friends are working artists musicians creatives yeah writers um makers um but also other people who yeah don't necessarily make a living from it, but just, you know, have this drive to make new things because it's cool. And so I surround myself with them and I try and help usually with my more administrative skills of organizing the project. Cause right. I feel like, I feel like I don't have any sort of tangible creative skill that I can bring to it. So I'm like, well, my skill is organizing everyone else to make this thing happen. Cool. So maybe we can encourage mm. some more Sam centric art. Um, I don't want to like, <laughs> Not to piggyback off your answer, but like, even though on paper, I am a, even though on paper, like I'm a working artist, I have these shadow, shadow artist thoughts all the time. Like, um, Mm. it's really easy. Like, I know so many musicians who, who think, you know, oh, they're not a real musician or, um, even the ones making money are like, oh yeah, but I'm not as good as the, you know, the really good people or I don't tour all the time. So I'm not real or I'm just a music teacher. So I'm not a real performer and all this stuff. Like I, yeah, I get those thoughts all the time. Yeah. Enemies. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Enemies and I would that creative self worth. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Very so true. Um, she moves on to. She's talking about your enemy within. I guess that's a pretty good uh, segue uh, to some core negative beliefs. And she lists a bunch of things, like some sort of ideas that you may have that will block you from being creative. And uh, God, there's 20 that she's written out. Uh, do you just want to trade off a few? Um, I'm not going to read them all out, but is there some that is there any there that you relate to, Mickey? Uh, that's a good point. Um, so, I mean, let's give them a taste. So, like, number one is if I can't be a successful, prolific, creative artist because dot dot dot. Number one, everyone will hate me. Two, I will hurt my friends and family. Three, I will go crazy. So she's listed a bunch of excuses. Mm. Um, um, number four kind of jumps out at me. I will abandon my friends and family. Um, maybe not so much now. I think as I get older. Jeez, that's all I've talked about. Uh, is I, I can sort of see how a creative, <laughs> a creative life fits with friends and family. But I used to think like to do it properly you have to like tour all the time and move overseas and spend time in new york and barcelona or you know whatever um yeah and that was that was a bit of a barrier and it was a bit scary um i don't know if it really bugs me anymore what about you what have you got 
Um, well, there was one that I really jumped out for me when I f- first read it, which I'll, I'll get to in a bit, but just really looking over it now. Number six, I don't have good enough ideas. That's definitely something Yeah, that one hurt. that I can that relate hurts. to. Just I not even good enough ideas. Sometimes I feel like I don't have any ideas at all. And I suppose that's the whole point of this artist state that we're meant to be doing is we're meant to be going out there trying to get that inspiration and get stuff into us so that we can help formulate these ideas. But I guess the one that really struck me the most that I felt like I could refer to the rest. I mean, oh, there's a lot in there. Some's like, you know, I'll upset my parents or people might think I'm gay or people might think I'm straight, blah, blah, blah. The one that <laughs> sure. I related to the most was actually number 11. I will do bad work and not know it and look like uh, a fool. I was just looking at that. That's the one, you know, and I, I, you know, why, you know, this, you know what this makes you think of? It Tell makes me. me think of, Tommy Wiseau and The Room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. Uh, which is actually, it's probably a perfect example of why to get over it. And so for anyone who's listening who doesn't get that reference, The Room. Oh. Where, do, where do you even start? It's just a trash fire of a movie. The worst movie ever made. It's 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 famous because it's the worst movie ever made, and it was made by a man who somehow had enough money, and so he wrote the script, and he starred in it, and he directed it, and he's actually pretty and terrible. And produced, he it's did everything, and it's, but it's so rubbish, it's kind of good, kind of like oh, you know, how, how ugly bad. dogs are so cute. So it's it's gained a cult <laughs> following over the years, where people will go to the cinema and dress up and heckle at the scream and throw spoons and have you ever been yes yeah i have yeah i have and we we actually did a screening last year and it's so much fun um and it's so ridiculous and actually recently james franco and a few others in america did a did an actual movie about the making of the room i haven't actually watched that yet i would like to yeah me neither but anyway the whole point is this man was so deluded he made it as a serious piece of art it was meant to be a drama a love story that ends in tragedy but it was so bad it turned into a comedy and he's since like run with it and said that he was always mentioned that all along but i think we all know that that wasn't really the yeah, case yeah he definitely did. Um, i don't know if i'm slandering someone here during this right now but that's a good point uh no I will shame address, i will address but no shame it's turned out well and it's just a perfect example of it turned out all right in the end. But I think the point is this is just something that I've, because of that being like my key fear, I've always set myself up to be the fool, to look like the fool on purpose. Therefore, I can be like, I meant to do that rather than this is my really serious thing that I put a time and effort into. It's meant to be really serious. It's meant to be really moving. You're meant to be crying, but you're all laughing at me. And that would hurt so much more than actually uh-huh. going down the more comedic path of being like, oh, I'm just a silly person. I'm kooky and I'm going to do silly things. And <laughs> if you laugh at me, that's fine because you are meant to laugh at me and I'm meant to look like a fool. That is easier the... for me to do than to do something serious. You're a manic pixie dream girl. I'm not, though. I'm way too tall for that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, snaps for honesty. Well done. What it, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> it's a defense mechanism, though. That's my point. Being acting yeah, the fool is my, is my personal defense mechanism. Well, yeah, humor can definitely be a defense mechanism, and I know all about that because I happen mm. to be very funny. You are very funny. Can contest to that. 
<laughs> or at least you're funny to me. It's just you and me just laughing right now. <laughs> yeah, I'd listen to that podcast. Okay. Um, well, anyway. Should we... So the book asks you to list uh, three enemies of your creative self-worth. Mm. Um, do we want to share our three? You go first. Okay. So I'm looking at our Google Doc. And I only have two written down, which is curious because I was sure there was a third one. <laughs> but, um, okay, so number one, um, we were talking about shadow artists before, um, which I'm going to assume is synonymous with the term imposter syndrome. Mm. And I can often feel imposter syndrome due to my late start in mu- my musical education. So um, I did noodle around on some instruments in my teenage years, but I didn't start playing violin, which is my main instrument, until I was 20. I think 21, I may have been 22, Um, and most of my, I don't want to use the word competition anymore, but most of my peers have started learning either from the age of like between three and eight, Um, and they're the ones who have gone on to do really amazing stuff. So um, I've made a lot of progress in those eight to nine years, and I think Mm. I'm doing really well for myself, and I need to remind myself of that. But I, I can have this sort of thoughts of like, oh, well, you've had this late start, so you don't deserve to be performing on, you know, big stages or you, you, you're you not going to make a really great album yet because you've still got a decade of practice, of like really hard practice to do. So like, you know, accept these low paying gigs or, um, you know, of course that's going to be out of tune or something like, uh, I guess it, it's sort of like limiting your expectations um, due to things like that. And then that sort of snowballs because it's like, you know, I didn't go to like a music school when I was a child or um, my uni was, well, if any of my friends <laughs> will know that I have like <laughs> not great memories of my university. But um, so, and I, I think those things can sort of snowball and I, I am aware that I can have this sort of permanent chip on my shoulder. Whereas like I need to remind myself that like a lot of, you know, child prodigies don't end up pursuing music because they, they crash and burn. Oh, I wonder if you could hear Franklin meowing just then. I did, I cat. did. It sounded like a baby crying, actually. <laughs> He's a fat baby. Um, <laughs> and a furry one too, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, a lot of people who go to even, like, fancy music schools, they end up becoming, you know, doing a, a total different job completely. I could count on two hands my friends who have done a music degree and become an, either a doctor or a lawyer. Um, so that's my big number one. And then we've kind of touched on my number two already, which I would say is maybe like an emotional reservedness. So um, I've written here, I'm much more likely to share a riddle than a poem. So like um, the way that like my approach to a lot of things, I suppose, is an intellectual one. Like, um, like a song I write is way more likely to have like some really fancy chord changes or some really intricate rhythms in them that I feel comfortable sharing because I can like objectively say like most songs don't use these like fancy chords and here they are presented by me. Uh, so I'm much more likely to do that than to have that song of me like belting a guitar being like, this is how I feel. So um, you're saying you're hiding your real feelings yeah, I think there's an element of that. academic displays of your skill. Yeah, I think... Um, yes. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like, um, I would feel incredibly nervous about um, telling someone about a poem that I'd written, but I'd feel, like, supremely confident about sharing a riddle with them that is... Supremely you know, an confident. Intellectual... Lord of the riddle. <laughs> 
a riddle lord. <laughs> riddle lord, some may say. Okay, and because <laughs> my third one is missing, I'm going to pass it over to you, Sam. Okay, yeah, I, I'm not going to bother going through all three. Um, yeah, you know, just just to summarize. Um, yeah, few things is. I mean, me, me, myself, and I. I'm probably the number one barrier um, to things, and, and that's probably just stem from school, I guess, and peer pressure, which is just so dumb to say out loud now at 30. It's so good but... for you though. Well done. <laughs> I don't care what they think anymore. Um, <laughs> but I think also another element was that I did really well in school academically as well um, in primary school and high school. So I was always very encouraged into the more academic subjects because creative subjects were seen as lesser in a sense, if you know what I mean. Um, so your advisors and teachers are very much like should be doing the maths and the science and the English and um I mean English is creative anyway but rather than doing art as a subject um but saying that I sort of music in year 12 anyway and that but that was I guess after coming out of yeah it's hard to explain it's yeah there's no like real obvious thing that really blocked me but just lots and lots of little things I suppose like in primary Mm. school the choir was really cool and I was in a choir and I had a solo and and all the primary school year sixes came together for this big performance and it was the emperor's new clothes and I was the queen I had to sing this one verse solo and then fainted to the emperor's arms um (laughs) which I was kind of fine with at the time what was I 12 then hit hit year seven and people recognized me. I remember people saying things and like teasing me about this boy who I don't even remember who it was. He was from another school and he was in my year, but I, I don't know who it was. Um, and it was just really, really uh, uncool to be in the choir in year seven yeah, or, to do, right. or to sing or like, and, and I think to me, singing is probably one of the most vulnerable things that I could do. Or, hmm. yeah, like actually singing well seems incredibly vulnerable. Yeah. Okay, Sam, I'm going to put you um, on the spot. Sing mm-hmm. into the podcast right now. Just sing your emotions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ask me that at the end of episode 12. <laughs> All I'm asking is for you to bear your soul. I don't have, like, I've got to put my soul into words to do that. Ah, okay. Well, we'll hold off on that. Yeah, that um, I can. You're gonna have like to it. tune in every week for the chance to hear me. You'll never know when it'll come. <laughs> just, just spring it on me mid episode. La, uh, that was pretty yeah. good. Uh, that was that was me playing the fool. Ah, uh, that's a good point. Oh, good self editing. All right. Um, uh, should we move on to our horror stories, or do you want to keep going? Ah, uh, no, that that's basically it. Basically, enemies of creative self worth. I, I recognize that I am my biggest barrier because just being told that you are smart and you should be pursuing these, you know, become a doctor or a lawyer or a journalist yeah. or like, and so I kind of like rebelled from doing any of that, but I didn't really do anything with that rebellion either, if that makes <laughs> sense. So I'm kind of pointless, but <clears throat> I'm doing all right for myself. Yeah, I would say. So. In society's eyes, um, but maybe not so much for a creative sense. 
Yeah. But so, yeah, moving on to one of the other tasks that she asked us to do this week was to consider a horror story. Yeah. So I've volunteered to share my horror story. Well, I guess um, mine was that choir thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm. I've got to ask, I assume the kid playing the emperor wasn't really naked. No, he was in, I remember, he was in, he was in like white shorts where they painted on little red hearts because it was hard to find like love heart (laughs) short boxer shorts at the time. So I specifically remember they painted them on. Okay. So he, yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad Emperor's you asked. New so. clothes. <laughs> the Emperor's New Clothes subtitled, but the same old boxes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I'm, Soon I'm to feature Donald stalling. Trump. <laughs> so, Julia Cameron asks you to share a horror story about mm-hmm. a time that you were made to feel uncreative or bad about being creative, and mm-hmm. I'm going to share mine. So, mm-hmm. at Australia's National Folk Festival, which is the largest folk festival in australia it um every year it gets about fifty thousand people um and it's it's basically folk christmas like folk musicians from all over australia all come to this thing whether they're performing or they just want to attend and there's an infinite amount of jamming into the early hours of the morning it is the musicians festival as an outsider as someone who's not a very good musician i remember going there and being like this this is a festival for musicians just to it's, it's, in there. Yeah, it's very fun. So um, there's a lot of jamming, and specifically there's a lot of violins. Um, and my... Oh, I can't remember when. It was probably three years ago, maybe. Um, I was in the session bar, which is like a large room where you can jam with other people, uh, where it's nice and warm. Um, and I met this violinist who was about my age, um, and we started playing together. We're playing a jazz tune called I Found a New Baby. And um, I Found thought... Found a new baby. That's the one. There hey. you go, you're singing. Um, so I <laughs> thought we were having a really good time. Um, and he was very, very good. And I was looking forward to like an evening of jamming with him and learning some stuff. And um, then later... Uh, so we parted ways and then, you know, you'll bump into him later. Then later, one of my friends came up to me. One of my dear beloved friends came up to me and said that um, this this violinist, let's call him Bob, uh, said <laughs> that Bob came up to him and said, "Oh, I just smashed this violinist that I was playing with. Like I, you know, like I like totally beat him at the competition that we were having." He basically said, and I just made me feel so awful because like I thought we were having a really good time and. Um, yeah, there's this, I guess there's this, um, in the violin world, but mostly the classical world, there's this nasty um, co- competitive streak that's kind of encouraged where violinists like aren't really friends. It's always a competition and who's better than who. Um, so it's mostly a classical thing. And a lot of people, so I don't, I don't really play classical music. And a lot of people, other violinists have told me that I've been quite lucky to escape that sort of side. But every now and then it does rear its head in folk and jazz music. And that was one of those times. Um, so yeah, um, we were having like what I thought was a really good time only for my friend to come around and say like he was competing and he felt like he beat me. Um, yeah. And it was just, yeah, a really nasty feel. I've actually got the jitters right now. Um, it's okay. That guy was a dick. Well, it's funny you should say that because (laughs) then Julia asked you to write a letter to the editor. Basically, you know, those, um, like 
sort of asinine comments that you see in editorials <laughs> where it's just like, well, I don't believe in climate change because it's warm or it's cold or whatever. So it's just like... Because it snowed last night. Yeah. So this is your angry two-sentence rant um, that I'm about to reveal. So mine goes... Oh, now I should say we have an explicit language warning on this podcast. So there will be swearing and there will be some right now. So here it goes. Mine says, <laughs> fuck him. Um, he's probably been playing a decade longer than me. And besides, if he can't figure out how to have fun by now and that music isn't a competition, it's his loss. Totally his loss. No, you're right. Fuck him. His loss. Um, I remember going to a thing with you once where... Um, it was like a swing dancing lesson weekend and there was a big band and there was dancers and someone was saying it works better together. Like it's not a it's not about just the dancers and not about just the, the single musicians or just the band. They play off each other and this is yeah. the kind of music's only good when there's like a band. When the I mean music's good as an individual as well, but it's so much better when there's many multiple instruments and players playing together creating totally. that beautiful polyphonic sort of multi sound um yeah and if it's if it's yeah if you're going to be super competitive about it then yeah and it's not like yeah, there was an audience you know we weren't on australia's got talent or whatever we have anymore but it's like <laughs> you know he already probably thought he's quite good and like after that exchange he still feels he's quite good so. <laughs> yeah, um, it's not like there was this great victory or defeat. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's all just a bit silly. Okay, um, so right. we should keep moving on going. to yes. Um, the other thing that she asked us to reflect on is our champions. So we've just talked about our enemies um, of our creative self worth. Now, what about our champions? People that have been supportive and encouraging of what we do. Tell me about a champion, Sam. My favourite teacher in um, primary school, um, Miss Grant, Miss Fiona Grant. If you're out there listening, you might be married now. I might have changed your surname. No idea how to find you. But, I mean, I think she was everyone's favourite teacher. And so I think she was very quickly snapped up by another school and wasn't at my school much longer after the year I was with her. But she was just, like, went above and beyond in all the lessons that she did with us and... She just made lots of little creative things for us. She made, made little extra gifts for us. I remember getting my first pen license. And it was this really beautiful creation by her. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, and she, she was so fantastic. She was probably one of the most inspiring teachers that I had. And that was this was year four. So how old are you in year four? Like Ten. Ten? Yeah. yeah. Um, she encouraged us to keep a journal of books that we read. Um, and oh, so wow. The title, the author, the 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 dates that you read it and, and like a little comment or reflection like in your, in your four, it was like maybe a word or two about how you felt, but that is a practice that I've continued doing to this day. Oh yeah. Recording, recording books that I read, um, oh. and reflecting on them. So, That's wonderful. Um, I'm a hoarder. I have many notebooks full of notes That's so awesome. <laughs> about books. <laughs> um, <laughs> So she's someone I'm very fond of. And one of my other ones is you, Mickey, oh. for going on this journey with me. Um, yeah. Oh. Definitely. Thank you. <laughs> well, you're one of mine of then. Of course. Of course, yeah. Delete one of your already three that you've got there. Add my I've name in. Got, actually, once again, <laughs> I only have two out of three. 
Well, you're yeah. <laughs> Go, give me give me one of your other ones that isn't me. <laughs> okay, uh, I've got my first real violin teacher, Jess Randall. Um, so she was just so so awesome, and um, like really early on, looking back, I realized she wasn't so much teaching me about tunes, but teaching me how to be creative with tunes. So like you know what, it wouldn't matter what we'd learn if it was like a bluegrass thing or some classical piece. She'd straight away go like, oh, I'm already bored of this. Let's like add a second line into it or let's change all the chords so they're all diminished and aggressive or let's play like this entire piece on one string or whatever like um and yeah it's only sort of now that I realize that other people see me do it and say like oh I really like the how different you played this you know whatever I realize that I've just absorbed all of that from her and she's just like endless energy um and yeah she's just been really inspiring like I mean even you know about a year of lessons with her she was getting me up in on stage with her band in like in front of huge audiences and like yeah and I was just felt so like welcome and she's still even though it, um we live so far away now she's still a huge champion of my music and me for hers she is great she's one of the best oh, she's the fiddle best. players I've ever seen she's wonderful <laughs> she's amazing yeah cool what about you listeners who are your champions yeah oh, wait, contact us on <laughs> Insert email here. <laughs> Can't you see me doing my wiggle fingers? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Write us a letter. <laughs> Write us a letter. To yeah. Sam's address. <laughs> We're not going to post the letter here, but uh, if you really want a letter, we would actually would love a letter. Send us a letter oh. to the editor as well. Also, if you want to bitch about your enemy of creative self-worth, you can send the letter to us as well. We'll read Please it out do. online, live. Um yeah wow. all right before we wrap up there was one other um i mean there's a few other ex- um activities she asked us to do there's one more that i think we should talk about and that was to consider your other lives she says mm-hmm. um she julia cameron says imaginary lives if you had five other lives to leave what would you do in each of them so mickey if you okay um i i my other lives, uh, I'd love to be a permaculture guru with a long beard and scraggly hair who forages all their own food, finds their own mushrooms and prepares all their own food. I totally um, see that. That suits and you. And have a pointy side, hat as well. Oh, a jaunty hat even. Um, mm. And I would, on the side, I would be a sailor and a stunt double and a foreign diplomat who speaks at least eight different languages. Well, that's a good one. I like Thanks. that one. Mm. Tell me about your other lives, Sam. Um, in my other lives, I would be a librarian. Cool. <laughs> Books. Um, an astronaut. Oh yeah. Uh, an inventor. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite books growing up was oh, a series of unfortunate events. No, that came oh, later in life. She's an inventor. Um, it was no, it was Mister. It was Mister. Brainstorm. Oh, actually, you know what? Pause that. I'm going to actually have to look it up because I can't actually remember the name of the book. Oh, The Incredible Adventures of Professor Brainstorm, I think. I've never heard of it. Um, No, maybe that wasn't it. Anyway, (laughs) I'll look into it and I'll report back next week. Anyway, there was a book about a crazy inventor. None of his inventions work, but I really loved him and want to be like him. But I think one of the other things would be either like just uh, an author writing stories or a venue manager. Because oh, that would be a way of that. bringing all those creative people together in, in one under one roof. Yeah. Um, but I think the other one, I've always just loved musicals and 
the idea of being like on Broadway and being like in musicals, just being silly and singing. Just love that. Um, I remember like playing with my dolls as a child, a slightly too old child. Um, (laughs) And one of them, I remember one had purple hair and she was going to be a rock star, but also was going to be on Broadway. Oh, cool. (laughs) That was just like the life I had planned for her. Um, That would be really cool. That's awesome. And that makes a lot of sense. I think you could be all of those things. Um, Thank you. So last of all, shall we do our quick check-in morning minutes where you write three pages of consecutive stream of consciousness uh, every single day. How'd you go? Um, Yes, did all seven days. However, not always in the morning, but I made sure I wrote three pages a day. What about you? Yep, I was exactly the same. All seven days. I think I had one day where I did it at lunch, but every other day was in the morning. Great, fantastic. Artist date. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Tick, next, artist date. What did you do? (laughs) <laughs> uh, not not so well. Um, I think I maybe did lots of little things, but I definitely didn't have a two-hour solitary period. I don't think it has to be two-hour. Oh, okay. In that case, I probably did heaps of things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll defer to you. Um, so my one was I rode my bike to Centennial Park in Sydney because I have never been there before. And I've lived in Sydney on and off for the past 10 years maybe um and yeah never been no no one's ever invited me to a picnic there so i took myself there um and well done for doing it solo yeah well funny that um (laughs) (laughs) funny you mentioned that i mean that's the whole intention but i did still manage to end up bumping into someone i knew and ended up spending a bit of time with them there um that's just your reward for putting yourself (laughs) yeah Yeah, it was nice to see them. I hadn't seen them in in quite a while. We ended up just um, play sword fighting. He had these wooden swords (laughs) that we... (laughs) Oh, you are Um, a pixie dream girl. (laughs) How? Why? What do you mean? Oh, come on. They probably did that in um, 500 Days of Summer. (laughs) I'm not the one bringing the swords in. That's true. Um, But I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. With whatever this pixie dream girl thing is, I'll explore that persona um, next week. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to say to wrap things up, Icky? No. Um, other than I feel like this podcast is going really well. Mm, I'm enjoying this process. Cool. Um, oh, I was just going to say, dear listeners, thank you for tuning in to episode one. Um, if you have any questions comments suggestions please reach out to us and we'll take them on board we would love yeah. to read your letters online um <laughs> in, in in future episodes uh, we'd love some feedback yeah thanks for being a witness to our creative journey and, <laughs> and listening to our harrowing childhood heart stories so harrowing um i hope you look forward to seeing where this takes us yeah we'll see you next week um tune in next week where we will look at recovering a sense of identity okay and our creative sign-off that we'll both say together on the count of three ready three two one no shame creative